Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 98 of Cutscene Combos. We've got an absolute monster this week. We've got a character profile, which is on Muse. We've also got episode 6 of the Percy Jackson TV show to discuss. We'll be finishing off our review of Echo with episodes 4 and 5. We'll be talking about the Emmys. We'll be discussing some other nerdy news. And then we'll be wrapping things up with our content championship which is Hasri Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban versus Return of the Jedi. But Hasri. before all that good stuff, H- Hori, how was your week? <laughs> what do you mean, Hasri? Hasri. My week's Hasri been uh, my week's been pretty good. I have had a very productive week of getting back onto content. Your I think content last week, at the minute. I'd just started. And then, yeah, I'm back on like fall back into the swing of things and kind of got the vibe going again with it all um organized planning content and whatnot and getting kind of now at a point where i'm starting to get a bit ahead on having videos organized and posts planned which is yeah which is good stuff and kind of frees me up to start maybe thinking about getting my youtube going again which is the next plan um but yeah other than that been i mean Getting out, doing some photography, gaming. Had some uh, good gaming nights with the boys. and uh, We did. Yeah, just a very productive week for me. How's your week been? My week's been good. Um, it's been a bit of a... At work, I do a lot of ad hoc stuff. Um, just because of the nature of my role. There's always a guy who does the ad hoc stuff. That ends up being me just because of the nature of my role. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week there has been far less of that. As well as not like a planned project going on. Which means I go down to like my base level of work which is quite therapeutic Mm. um especially after like the crazy six weeks that is december and the first two weeks of january just that slotting in right now is a really good like mental reset um and i often find because like i said it's quite therapeutic i'm sitting there i'm repairing things but it's all stuff i know how to do so like Mm -hmm. i'm not thinking too much it allows my mind to kind of wander and come up with outrageous fun ideas that may or may not ever happen but i'm allowed to have the ideas which is always nice um very nice what last weekend we went to take all the parents to the new uh, oh, yeah. flat that we're in the process by that all went very very well uh, everyone is very happy with it they're all very excited as are we so it's nice it's always nice when you're excited for something and get shirt someone else and they also get excited yeah um and the bi- absolute biggest w so I don't know if anyone listening um, has ever had to buy a property before, mm-hmm. but as part of buying a property, what you get is what's called a fixtures and fittings list, yeah. which the sellers leave you basically saying what they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And this goes down to the nitty gritty like light fittings. They can't leave it completely bare because that's dangerous. But if they've got a really fancy one, what they might do is take it down and just put a basic bitch one back on. Yeah. Um, and one thing I was really hoping to see left on the fixtures and fittings list was this mirror they had in their really nicely renovated bathroom, which oh. was a mirror that essentially had a ring light built in. Oh. Which I was like, that is really nice. I like Fancy. that. Um, and it wasn't on the fixtures and fittings list. I was like, that sucks Such. balls. Oh, well. When we went this weekend, though, they'd left us a little note with other stuff they've decided they don't need that they didn't oh, okay. put on the fixtures of fitness yeah, yeah. list Sad that said afterwards. if you want any of this you can have it if not we'll find someone else to give it to yeah and included on that was a basically brand new fridge freezer 
Oh, damn. Which is... Uh, yeah, that's, that's huge. Yeah. A basically perfect sofa that will do us for at least six months until we decide exactly what kind of sofa yeah. we want. As some other bits like blinds and that, but also the fucking mirror. <laughs> the one thing and you it, wanted. It, it was really funny. We were like showing the bathroom because it's just off the main entryway. Mm. And I'm like, this is a mirror I really want. We'll have to find one once we're moving because they're not leaving it. And then as we go into the front room, we see the note and Jenna's like, they're leaving the mirror. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> War W. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a, it was a nice day. Um, it was really chill. Uh, mm-hmm. NFL playoffs started on Saturday night, so we chilled, watched some of that in the evening until oh, yeah. late in the morning. Got to watch the Cowboys absolutely throw my favourite pastime. Um, and then Sunday was a pretty chill one. Um, but yeah, no, it's actually been a, it's been a very, very good week overall. I would say nice. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, now that all the boys are back on their content grind, yeah, I have never been more ready to just headbutt YouTube. I'm just like, no, I, I will make you my bitch. There is no avoiding it. Yeah, the group motivation is at an all-time high right now. It, it is the easiest thing in the world to stay motivated when everyone around you is motivated. Yeah, 100%. It's, like, it's that whole mentality of, oh, if you're struggling to get up to go to a gym, have gym friends. Because yeah. then if one of you is feeling down, the other two or it's three will grab you like, no, we're going. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I'm really excited for that. Now. Hmm. For our regular listeners, last week I teased. You did. Um, or not so much teased, but in the Nerd News Network, we said mm. a villain reportedly involved in Daredevil Born Again was going to be Muse. Yes, we did. And I said, I don't know nothing about this, man, but don't worry, I'll find out some stuff. <laughs> so, so this week's we character profile is on Muse. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, have a, uh, let's have a little discussion here. Mm. Uh Muse first appeared in Daredevil Volume 5, Number 11, in September of 2016. Oh, quite new. Mm. Muse made a big splash when he sent Vigilante Blindspot an address where they found a mural painted from blood. From the blood of over 100 different missing people. This deranged artist further escalated his notoriety when after a few weeks he broke in and defaced his previous mural with the phrase, you're only as good as your last performance and a new address. When following the direction to this address, they discovered another art piece in which Muse had staged six inhuman corpses as if they were doing a mundane task. Matt was there when they found the second location in his role as assistant district attorney, and he could sense Muse watching them in the distance, so slipped away to confront him. However, before Matt could locate him, Muse had escaped using a dummy grenade as cover. After this, Muse would go public for his next work attacking a courthouse and kidnapping a judge who was in the process of shutting down public access to his artworks alongside the judge he also kidnapped two police officers and a councilwoman who was helping him with the procedure planning to use them all for his next piece of art blind spot was able to find and free the kidnapping victims 
but as a result found himself kidnapped by Muse. Daredevil managed to track them down. Unfortunately, Muse was able to gouge out Blindspot's eyes before attempting to make his escape. As part of his escape, he entered a room full of still alive people suspended from the ceiling being drained of their blood and he cut them loose to try and distract Daredevil. This was effective, but Muse hadn't planned on the inhuman authorities being outside to grab him for his crimes against inhumans. Muse would go on to uh, prison, obviously. (laughs) But then, when Wilson Fisk became mayor of New York and started his anti-vigilante campaign, Muse broke out of prison and started um, painting vigilante, pro-vigilante propaganda. However, when he was almost caught by police officers, he killed the police officers and strung them up alongside a Punisher mural, at which point Fisk spun this narrative as the Punisher's doing to further his anti-vigilante agenda. Mm. I I think I will leave Muse's story there. There's a couple of other interesting bits, but I think they'd be better off saved for another day potentially. But um, what I will say is off the rip. If Muse is a main character of the new Daredevil show, mm. and people are hoping for the kind of brutality we saw in Netflix's Daredevil, mm. there is definitely some reason to think you might get your wish. Yeah, if. if... They stay true to the, the source material here and we get an R-rated show. This could be a pretty brutal show to kick yes, things off. it absolutely could be. It could absolutely be nuts. Um, I really like the character design. Um, I mean, if anyone wants to go and find the thumbnail for um, the character profile as it comes out, mm. but it's it's got like this kind of like gruesome crying mime vibe to it. Oh. Um I'm looking at them now because I'm not. Oh, yeah. I see. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a solid character design for someone that's coming about in like 2016 where everything in comic books can feel a little bit copycatish if you're not careful. Yeah, I get you. It, it feels genuinely quite unique and um, I really, really liked it. Um, Blindspot was obviously a big part of that story. So maybe I'll do a mm-hmm. character profile on Blindspot in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, that is Muse. Ooh, could be a very exciting show then. Yes. Talking of exciting shows. Yes. Our favourite show of the week. Episode 6. I've, this show is so good. We've actually feasted this week. Getting to watch the we second have. half of Echo and Percy Jackson. We have... This might be one of the better weeks of just like episodes of shows we've had. I don't know, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't get to watch like three episodes of Ahsoka or anything. True, true. Like mass as well as quality. Yeah, 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 good. I get you. Um, but anyway, so Percy Jackson episode six. We obviously left Percy and the gang last week after dealing with Ares. Mm, we did. Um, getting in the back of a van on their way to Vegas where they would be told they'd be there by morning. Mm-hmm. And they would find Hermes so that he could sneak them in the back door of hell. Yes. Um, and that's where we joined them. Still in the back of the van. 
trying yep. to work out how far away they were from Vegas. Yeah. Um, what I found really cool, and I don't know if I've kind of misunderstood it because of the way it's put forward or what. So it seemed like she was using a crystal to reflect the light to create a rainbow so that they could pray to the goddess of rainbow so they could use it to communicate. And I don't know if that was Annabeth being like really smart or if that's like a known thing that they do. I have a feeling it's like maybe a known way of being able to communicate. But like proper Boy Scouts sort of communication. It's like, if you're ever in a pinch, this is a good yeah. idea. Yeah, you can offer, make an offering and like you get the one, like a one call sort of situation. It did crack me up though that she's going, oh, I'm getting a signal. And what she means is I'm creating a rainbow. It's really funny to me. Yeah, she's like, I'm, I'm getting the right angle is what she really means. Um, I've always a really clever way though of doing it, and yeah, I like the visuals of it. Yeah, the visuals was cool. The little convo they had with um, I forget his name now, Sam, Luke, Luke. Uh, obviously wanting to warn the camp of what was coming, but actually not realizing that the camp already knows there's war coming, and they're very much mm. getting prepared for it. It's also really interesting. Very anyone like. The gods don't come across the best throughout the show, I feel. No. Um, and so, like, the idea that, like, war's breaking out and just all of a sudden all these kids that have basically been abandoned by their godparents are, like, picking sides in this war. Yeah. Like, we saw the camp. They are young. Yeah, and it's like... like what do you mean? You should be hiding. <laughs> they they clearly... You know where it's going. It's by someone going, oh, it's not... We're, like, we're not... This, this is, is like an R fight version of my dad can kick your dad's ass. <laughs> it probably is. It hundred percent is. It's like, oh well, my dad can't be in the wrong, so clearly this is the right side to be on. And other people are going, "What do you mean?" So yeah, it's just kids picking sides based on their parents, which is like just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, big big time. Um, and Percy was hoping to obviously use Luke for a bit of information on yes. his father, which um, Annabeth was very quick to shut down when she realised what Percy was about to say. It she felt like, like... No, you don't ask Luke these questions. Yeah, she immediately just shuts it off and it felt almost like, you know when you go, oh, I'm, I'm losing signal, but <laughs> you immediately hang up. It's kind of how it felt. But yeah, she's like, no, we don't ask Luke about his dad. Yeah. Um, and then we arrive at the Lotus Casino. Yeah, Grover um, breaks all the animals out and it's like, oh, they'll be fine. And they're like, what what about the people though? There's there's a bear loose in Vegas. And he's like It was ah. really, really funny. Just like that that like really quick shot of like all the animals just stopping traffic. Really funny to me. And Grover's um, like, Oh, they'll be fine. And he means the animals. <laughs> you don't give a fuck about the people. Yeah, didn't, didn't even think about how people would react. Um, what I will say is I was obviously very excited for this because I've made no secret that I enjoyed the original Percy Jackson Lightning Thief film, and I did enjoy the Vegas scene in that. And yes. one is very, very different in this. Yeah, it is. I still really like it. Yeah, I did enjoy how they went about it. Yeah, it's a different vibe, don't get me wrong. But it's still really cool and gives the exact same kind of effect. But it just makes the kids seem more responsible. Because it's like, they're not like accidentally fucking up and then getting punished for it it's like they were trying yeah. really hard they knew okay don't eat anything don't drink anything yeah. we'll be fine and they just miscalculated what was happening yeah and i appreciate 
that characterization a little bit more. They're not idiot teenagers who weren't thinking. They were intelligent children who weren't expecting something. Yeah, and it also kind of, almost in a way, feels a bit more realistic to how a casino could be being run. And like the, yeah. the obviously in the films we talked about, like it's an absolute acid trip sort of thing goes on. I think that would have felt out of place if they'd gone that extreme. Obviously, we're dealing with gods and mythical creatures and stuff, and like this isn't, but they're still in this show. They've kept like the real world has actually felt very much modern day realistic. Yeah. So it's like the idea that a casino, the ordinary people that go in there lose track of time. As if everyone's been to a casino, very easy to lose track of time in a casino. Rick Royden is a fucking genius because he really did go. Greek mythology still lives and works in today's culture if you just tweak it slightly. Yeah, and and like a casino is a perfect place to talk about the uh, Odyssea or whatever it is. Because like yeah. even like the way like the Lotus Flower is ingested, it's like oh no, they pump it into the vents. It's a very well known secret that in Las Vegas there are no windows, so you can't see what time of day it is. Yeah, there's no. And clocks. they pump oxygen into mm. the floor to keep you awake because there's an abundance of oxygen which keeps you feeling alert and awake yeah it's it's wild how like it correlates so well exactly. and also I, I obviously they were going into it and i'm like we're prepared for them to forget we know something's gonna happen here where they forget yeah. what's going on so i'm kind of waiting for them to mess up and eat something and then it kind of clicked i was like what if I, well, my thought was it's going to be in all the food. It's not lotus flowers. It's just like if they eat anything, then it gets them. And then it starts to click. I was like, hang on. No, they're going to start forgetting because it's just like being pumped An in the air or there's something kind of thing, going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed how Grover, he ended up lost in the metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> which feels like such a trippy thing to say for this, but it, it's so interesting because I, and obviously, like I said, I've never read the books. So this is all coming from my knowledge of the mm. Grover was very much like the cool sidekick. Yeah, and they make they made him a bit of a badass. He's like, oh yeah, he's half animal. He's like, he kicks ass. Um, and in this, he's more of a, like a much more passive, um, but very helpful. Mm. But they've also added a bit more to him. Again, not necessarily from the books. I'm not saying they're very, very but from what I already knew of Grover, yeah. with the like the story of Pan and like clearly yeah. he knows this gentleman that he's tried to. He's like my my I'm, I met I found Ferdinand, and then it's interesting because both him and the older guy whose name I've forgotten felt like they'd nearly found Pan. Yeah, I wonder. Do the lotus, does the lotus flower trick you into making you feel like you're achieving what you want to achieve? Which is why Annabeth and Percy, yes, they lost time still, mm. but they were because they were focused on what they were trying to achieve. Yes, th they felt like they were progressing it, which is what kept them there for longer. Whereas Grover got distracted by Pan. So then the lotus flower snatched onto that and was like, yes, we're going to feed that. That's a bigger desire for you. Yeah. From his background, he'd care more about the ability to find Pan than mm -hmm. complete this quest necessarily. I, That'd be I, a good draw for him. Yeah, I'd say my takeaway was kind of like that, that because he has this underlying kind of quest of his own to, to find Pan and like a purpose, that is what his mind got fixated on. 
and what the lotus kind of flower um elevated yeah. but well, also that kind of boom. it feeds into the metaphor of vegas doesn't it because vegas is just well, yeah. a dopamine hit yeah so, and that's what the lotus flowers do it's going oh what yeah. part of what what are you thinking about right now that's giving you all this dopamine right we're just gonna feed that we're gonna make you focus on that chase yeah. that dopamine chase that dopamine it's why i don't gamble yeah. like I, i've always been like a no because while i don't think i'd have any problems gambling for mugs has always been my opinion but i i'm also keenly aware that all it takes is me thinking i'm above a gambling addiction and winning yeah. one time and then i'm like oh let me chase that high let me check no I, you know what? I would chase the high of getting three kills in CS2 <laughs> and never ever live up to it again and not spend a penny. Thanks. Uh, I would chase that high. But yeah, and then obviously, because Grover's on his own, it affects him more. We find that out yeah. later. Um, but the other two find Hermes, played by uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I actually didn't hate that as like I, the I, casting. I, I don't. I don't get the people who really hate hate him. I think it's like a theatre music thing that why people have their issues with him. Maybe. Everything I've ever seen him in, I really like him. Yeah, he's come across great. I thought he played this part well. Um, he gave Hermes vibes big style. Yeah. And also, like, can also see him being the sort of person that owns a casino. Yeah. So... Um. Now, what's really interesting, so obviously you had the bit of back and forth there, Annabeth storms mm. off. I did notice that she got up, I'm not sure if you clocked, she did pull her cap out. Oh, I didn't clock that. Which is a really good bit of foreshadowing that she put yeah. her cap on to steal his keys. But I also love that Hermes knew she stole his keys and let her. <laughs> yeah. There, I lo- there seems to be this recurring theme with the gods that they won't help you. But if you do something that's smart, they're not going to get in your way. Yeah, and if it's something that they kind of respect you for doing in a sort of way, they'll like allow you to go away. Do you with know it. what it is? They will all look, they all they want is plausible deniability. Yeah, he can go. Well, she picked my pocket. What 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 can I do? How am I supposed to know? Yeah, um, it's they don't want to get accused of helping them, exactly. but they're kind of happy for them to play these stories to play out and see what comes of it because they're they're gods. They've lived for so many years that they're just like well. Need to have a bit of fun essentially and let these things play out nowadays. Um, um but yeah, I liked how there was just the note there for them because he knew that they'd stolen the keys. Um I did enjoy the scene of them trying to work out how to drive the cab. And like this it really intense like stressed chase. me out so it's, much. Like, really intense like chase music while he's like creeping along, juddering, just trying to get a taxi to move. It's so funny. It, the the bit when he like finally gets the hang of it and they're like oh shit okay this is easy I'm like there you go easy out you'll be fine then he suddenly hits the wall and I'm like for fuck's sake and the panic overcompensation just that moment started stressing me out because I was like you're panicking why are you dri- just drive straight <laughs> it's not that hard we all remember or at least us young people do remember our first driving lesson. Oh, mate, I smashed my first lesson. You, you, no, but you do remember that panic, like the first time they're like, "Okay, now put the accelerator down," and you're like, "What do you mean? We're going really fast," and you're like creeping along in first. I oh, see. My issue on my first lesson was I was on a country lane and I was too near the grass veggies. Like, can you keep out of the shit? I don't want to have to wash my car again. <laughs> and I was like, which is then obviously him scraping the wall. Like, I get it. Yeah. You don't have that depth perception. 
perception of like how wide yeah. your car is and stuff. But it was just kids it's, trying it's to drive so a taxi. Relatable. Yeah, but also like very stressful. Do you know what it really gave? It gave the impression that they got three kids who genuinely didn't know how to drive, and they went, "We are not going to get in your way for this, kids. We're just going to yeah. run the camera. You try and get the taxi out of here." <laughs> they probably just went, "That's the accelerator. There's the brake." They probably put a limiter on it, and then they were just like, "Right, off you go." Can we clear the set, please, and have fire <laughs> extinguishers ready and yeah. go? Yeah, have an ambulance ready. Um, <laughs> what I will say is very interesting. Um, so. Over the course of the film, which again is my only point of mm. reference, don't get angry at me, book people. Um, they don't like really interact with many other gods. Um, mm-hmm. What they're looking for is they're looking for these little marbles the entire time. Right. Because the plan is always get into hell, get the lightning bolt, and then you're going to use these marbles to escape. Yep. So I have been wondering this entire time, where the fuck are these marbles? Right. Okay. And of course, we've now just got them. Yeah. The big difference. In Purse Jackson and the Lightning Thief, to my memory, mm-hmm. they only collect three. Okay. There was four. There was. I don't know if that's a big change. I don't or know if... that's if, to the books. Yeah, or what. But that was exciting for me. I was like, oh, the models oh, yeah. weren't a completely made-up bullshit thing. They've just changed fundamentally what How the point them. of the quest yeah. was. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was... The... So the, that transition when they pull out of their garage and you think they're about to get hit and then they're on the beach. Very good. Then obviously Percy goes into the water and his dad couldn't wait around forever. Understandable. But um, I, I enjoyed his little plea. Or it's not plea, but like, she was like, yeah, your quest is done. Go home. Like, this is over. There's no time. And he's like, no, I'm not just going to walk away from this. What? <laughs> like... Just because war is starting doesn't mean this is over. And then... It's not over till I say it's over. Once And once again, obviously I know this being in the water isn't a god. It's obviously some helper of... Yeah. Again, kind of what we saw with the Golden Throne. Saw that persistence in them and was like, okay, we'll help them. We like the these... Demi- they're, they're proving that they're different and trying to do this yeah. their way. So then was willing to help them... As soon as it was four marbles were handed, I was like, one of them is for the mum. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. Because this is always the thing that's it's like, why would these kids be in this situation? Like, that's never going to happen. It's like, well, mm. no, that's the whole point. That's why that they are the chosen one. Yes, Percy is like, yeah, we've already heard that, like, the big three kids are more powerful, which is fine. Yeah. But he's not inherently more special than the other demigods. It's just, he's never known about any of this. He got thrust into it. His his only real goal is, no, I'm going to go save my mum. Yeah. So they've been like, no, go home. And he's like, I wasn't doing this fucking quest for you gods. I just want my mother back. I'm not turning around now. Yeah. Help me or don't. I'm not going back to Camp Half-Blood. Yeah, it's that. If it was any other kid, they probably would have done because they would have been around for a while. And this is just like, they're all that like the, the adults have told him to go do this quest. Now the adults are saying go home. Whereas Percy's like, I don't know any of you. I just want my mum back. My dad was supposed to help me. Like, yeah. Well, it's like what like Annabeth's entire motivation at the very beginning of the show was, I want to do a quest. Yeah. Without without Percy being there for them to rub on rub off on each other over the course of this quest, mm-hmm. she would have got to that point and been told to go home, and she'd be yeah. like, okay, cool, I complete my quest. Yeah. 
Now, so, at this point, Annabeth probably wouldn't. She'd fight and continue. Well, yeah. But the Annabeth we saw in episode one, two, and three would have. Hmm. Um, but, so it's been really fun watching these characters progress. I don't know how many episodes we're supposed to get here. I um, don't know. Percy, Jackson, and the Olympians season... Someone will also say that. The, um, the VFX... Eight episodes. Oh, so two, two more. more episodes. The, the VFX for that underwater scene at the end was very well done. Better than yeah. <laughs> well, no, never saw it. But like, considering this TV show, I would say they've been very smart. Obviously, they can get away with it being murky, dark water. It was nighttime. They were very clever about, I think, the purposeful things they've picked to help them with these VFX shots to sell them. I'm always going to give credit for the directors and the production people for thinking when they're filming the actual stuff to mm. make life easier for the VFX guys. Yes, yes. Like, you've you got to give props for that. Like, well done for thinking. Well, yeah, and it's thinking about how to best sell this thing that you want to achieve and you know it's going to need VFX. So it's like, what what can I do on my end to best get the best result Yeah, in the easiest way? So, absolutely. But yeah, another great episode. And if we've only got two more, I'm very intrigued to see what point we end on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I assume the entire time they'd finish the first book and it'd be a book a season, but maybe they don't. I have a feeling they're going to... That It's either going to end with them... I, I reckon next episode they'll get into hell. And I think the last episode maybe is them escaping. Maybe. And that's where it ends. And it's like, then it's like, now we've got to deal with the, what what do we do next sort of situation. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where they decide to break it up. It'd be very, very interesting decision to not break it up a season a book. I don't know like what the overlap is story-wise between each book. Maybe like a little bit later on, it would make sense to do it that way. But if Maybe. the books overlap slightly. Yeah, but this um, is where we, if we read the books, we'd know what was coming, yeah. maybe, but... But then we'd know what was coming. True. <laughs> We're getting to experience this as its own thing. This is true. Um, I I need to, we need to find someone that knows if this is, like, at the end of this, if it's ended at the end of the first book, and then we can just go read the first book and then wait. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason I haven't caught up on my Invincible comic yet. I don't want to read uh, it. Yeah. Not, not that, the fact that you've got, like, a stack this big. <laughs> Yeah, I see it. All the viewers see it as well. It's only got bigger, it's never gone down. Uh, that's a lie, it went down like twice. Um, right, Echo, episode four and five. Yes! Now, I watched these at the weekend, so these were a little bit murkier for me. I watched so I them might, I might, Yeah, I might need you to hit me with some fact checks if I get myself a bit muddled up here. Okay. Um, so, we ended episode three with the big reveal that Kingpin isn't in fact dead. Yeah, he stepped out of the shadows. Um, and we just got a bit of that stare downy thing, and then mm -hmm. the episode cut. Yeah. Right. So before we get into episode four and five, mm. if this is the level of cooking <laughs> that Marvel's spotlight is gonna do, mm. we are ready. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm I, so down. I'm not I don't disagree. This has been for a debut into Marvel Spotlight and something that we were slightly concerned about the character they chose to start with uh, and this premise that like spotlight's meant to be 
for anyone to jump in and watch and not need pro knowledge. They've done a great job and compare like it's hard not to compare it to the other MCU shows, but this has been like great start to finish. Don't feel like there's really been any issues that we've had issues with some of the other MCU shows. So it's like if this is the quality for Spotlight, and if they can keep low key quality for the main shows, and moving we forward might, we get we get this, we might be in a good era of yeah, we might MCU we might TV. have turned the corner of mm. what we heard the problem was with Disney Plus, which was people weren't having to do any kind of prep work. They were just given money to do whatever the fuck they wanted. And they were kind of bringing in this, no, you have to make a pilot, you have to sell us the show, mm. make sure we know what's happening. Um, and if that is now, like, Loki's a result of that and Echo's a result of that, yeah. it just goes to show that quality control is important. Yeah, and um, having the right people in the right places as yeah. well. The, like I said, the only issue I've had with Echo at any point in them first three episodes was, of course, episode one, where it's a little bit jumpy and weird at the start. I think yeah. if they need to do that again they need to find a way to smooth that out a little bit more. But other than that, wow. Just wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and great. And I like that because they're telling lower stakes stories, it didn't need a big battle at the end. It didn't need no. someone to be defeated at the end. It was just, this is the end of the story. Yeah. Because this... that's, that's how comic book works. Yeah. I mean, last week when we talked about the first three episodes, I spoke about how I was unsure if it's going to feel like it ended on there should have been more. Like, I was worried maybe it's going to be too short because I'm in that mindset of the MCU shows where we're, like, expecting some big ending, like, big fight, big, like, conclusion. Whereas this, there was, like, there was a conclusion, like, a solid conclusion, but it was no more than it really needed to be because of the character that it was. And actually, I think they did a great job of five episodes was perfect they hit everything they needed to do and the character reached a point that i think was a good conclusion and made a good introduction for this character yes absolutely so um over the last two episodes the the kind of story had progressed to a point where Maya was trying to take over control of kingpin's operations yeah she wanted to be queenpin <laughs> yeah um and she then discovered that kingpin wasn't dead despite her best efforts so yeah. we were then kind of in this position where she's like getting ready to like run fight whatever she's like i shot this motherfucker in the face he's probably not impressed yeah it's a valid reaction to be a bit scared in that place i think if i shot someone in the face and they didn't die <laughs> i would be rooted to the spot in fear as well what i thought was a little bit funny about the scene is like she puts her jacket kind of back on and grabs her bike over. I'm thinking, you're not going to be able to start a bike and leave before he could grab you. Like, what What do you think you're going to achieve here? <laughs> like, you're going to have to talk to him. Like, there is no escaping this situation right now. Um, but I get it. Like, yeah, if you Kingpin walks out after you just think you've killed him, then you're going to be a bit like, um, sorry? <laughs> so then he um is just like, I just want to talk. There will be no violence, just talk. We want to have Sunday dinner. Yeah. Um, so he gives her uh, contact lenses. Yeah. Well, they grab her, don't they? And you think, yeah. in that moment, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, she's about to get, like, punished for whatever. Yeah. And then they just shove a contact lens in. Yeah. 
Um, and this is something that I noticed at the time, but then is actually said in the show, I think, in episode five. Um, he tries to present as this whole sweet thing of like, look, I've made these contacts so we can communicate easily. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, but like, didn't he learn Japanese just to get head of, head of business in Japan? In Japan, he could learn sign language to con- to communicate with this niece that he loves and adores so much. Yeah. And then, like later on, either at the end of episode four and episode five, he couldn't even be bothered to learn to sign a little bit to talk to me. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's the kind of thing that is an important part of Kingpin's character. Yeah, he likes to show that he like act like he cares, but he he's all just doing exactly it for personal that. gain, essentially. He he is a dangerous kind of mentally deranged because mm. he genuinely believes the lies he's spinning a lot of the time. He genuinely yep. believes he's upset that his father died, like when he said to Myra in that flashback. Mm. Um, this is the hammer that killed my uh, that I used to kill my father. Oh, sorry. Yeah. In the show, he shows her the hammer, but he's always told that he was killed. He never said that he killed his dad. Yeah, he just made that connection with her because he was like, "Oh, my dad also died." Yes, he he he's very good at withholding and misusing information to get what mm. he wants, but he always tricks himself and almost gaslights himself into thinking he's doing it for these morally righteous reasons. Um, yeah. So that was really interesting. Um, it's a really cool piece of technology. Um, and what it does is it means if Maya ever has an interaction where she understands someone who's not signing easily, it gives well, it, us an easy out. It did. Because she takes it out eventually. Oh, we did see her take it out, didn't we? Yeah. It's all right. In my head, she's kept it in case she ever needs it. So I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of like, giving her a piece of technology for future, like you say. And then she goes and rips it out, and I'm like, ah. (laughs) But But that was like an episode later. It was in the final episode. I guess at the same time, um, if we're going to show diversity, let's show diversity, warts and all. Like, and I'm Mm. not, I'm not, like, that sounded really like I was against diversity. But if we're going to, if we're going to make sure we're like including people as we absolutely should, there are obviously difficulties with communicating with deaf people, but that doesn't mean don't include them. It means make the fucking effort. Yeah, it's like stop. Like they could, yeah, they could use this tech as a cop out, kind of, and also essentially make it easier for them to produce the show. But it's like that doesn't really show the realistic aspect of what Echo would be going through. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting that once again he's trying to misuse this information, like. Let's just have Sunday dinner together, mm-hmm. like we used to. There's, there's nothing wrong. I don't care. You shot me in the face. I just want to talk. I'm, I'm your uncle. I care about you. I love you. We can work through anything. And the entire time, her now seeing through his lies, she's kind of like, "What's your angle here?" Yeah, she's um, immediately trying to because he's taught her too well. Essentially, she's trying to find what his angle is. Yeah. And she hits him with a devastating one-liner of like, it's Tuesday or it's Thursday or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> He's, she's like, it's Tuesday. Stop trying to bullshit that it's for Sunday dinner. <laughs> what do you mean Sunday dinner? It's Tuesday. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> uh, then he's like, he gives, she's like, oh, I'll open the wine. Immediately pours it down the drain. Yeah. I, I loved it. that scene. The tension built in that scene of these two staring at each other. Neither sure if this is about to yeah. escalate into a fight or if they're actually going to have dinner. And then like Kingpin kind of 
showing his back as like, Kate, if I'm going to trust you here, can you trust me? Mm -hmm. So then after that, she does the same. It's very much kind of, we've spoken about it before with like um, the Clone Wars, no, sorry, Rebels, when Obi-Wan fights Darth Maul mm. and kills him. Yes, he mirrors and it's him. like sometimes really impressive choreography doesn't have to be spinny and flashy yeah. and over the top. Sometimes it can be just as little as thinking about the actor's body movements and letting the actors tell a story with their body. Because there's yeah. not a lot said in this interaction at all. No, but you um, feel the tension. Yeah, and it does such a good job, like with the lights being dimmed and like the illusion of this just being a family dinner. And family dinners, like for a lot of people, do always carry a little bit of tension because families aren't perfect. Hmm. So, like, you can understand the idea of tension at a family dinner, and then they just dial that up with, with when you bring in like the violent elements to it. It's just so so interesting the way they did it. Vincent D'Onofrio and Alakwana Cox absolutely earned their paycheck for that scene alone. Mm. Let alone the rest of the brilliant work they do in this show. Yeah, and obviously, then it gets to like, <laughs> I love that she cracks open the coke, and he's like, "What happened to the wine?" She like poured it down the drain. So, oh, that I was, was just really so and so, and it came highly recommended. And she's like, Yeah, cool. <laughs> I was really expecting him to name drop the amount it cost. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have surprised I, me. I, I was like, really expecting that as like a once again kingpin trying to show that he just buys affection and whatever. But um, uh, and then he just cracks out some different takeaway food essentially, yeah. Um, <laughs> And basically, it just boils down to come and be in charge. I'll, yeah, I'll give it you all. Just come home with me. Yeah, which I said I thought is might be what they're yeah. planning here. Um, and it, I ended up being kind of almost on the on, right yeah. light, especially yeah. when we had in the um, post credit scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, and she's kind of like, "No, fuck you! I don't trust you. Get out." Yeah, she's like she can read that there's a catch, and there cl yeah. quite clearly would be like the fact that he's like just come back with me and I'll give you everything. It's like it's not going to be that easy, is it? Yeah, it's a proper just get in the car and everything could be okay, mm. and like no, don't get in the car. That's a really bad idea. But also to point out this point, he's taken off his little eye patch thing. I'm I'm sorry, Maya, but you're a shit shot. <laughs> I, I, I think we need to give more credit to how much of a fucking tank well, Oh, don't is. get me wrong. Yes. But the fact that, like, he still has his eye. Like, come on. <laughs> Crazy, man. Could have at I, least I, taken I the eye out. <laughs> if I was, like, a very highly trained killer and I shot someone in the face at point blank range, and then, like, what was it, five months later, the motherfucker shows up with only that kind of a scar to have dinner with me, I'm not even sure I'd have the balls to pour the wine away. Mm. I'd be and, like, why are you alive? <laughs> yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, she says no, essentially. And he's like, well, I'm on a plane. I'm getting a plane or whatever in the morning. Be on or, it. <laughs> or whatever day it was. I hope I see you there. Which, again, is like him making out like he doesn't care that if she doesn't get on it, okay, cool. Clearly he did which we yes. see later, but it's like, it's all just him trying to make out like it's not a big deal because he wants her to go back so he can control her. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. Um, and it's, it's Vincent D'Onofrio is so good. I'm so glad they mm. didn't lose him because oh, I, don't, yeah. I can't, I like, it's really difficult to 
capture Kingpin. And don't get me wrong, it's definitely a different take to Kingpin that I necessarily would have instantly thought of. Mm. Um, but it's so, so well done with so many layers that they can tell that Vincent D'Onofrio has really made sure he studied up and understands this character. And yeah. especially his version of this character. Mm. Um, but it's like the little quote from Maya of like, violence has always been our language and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And like that being then cut in with the flashback of them having one of their dinners mm-hmm. and the sign interpreter being taken away to be executed. Yeah. Like violence has literally always been their language. The person that allowed them to communicate was just murdered. Yeah. It's just, oh, I, I could speak for hours about the quality of writing, acting, direction, and like thematics in these two episodes. It might be two of the best episodes. Uh, no. For Disney Plus, it probably mm. is the two best episodes they've put out for them regards. Um, what I did really. also really enjoy is alongside obviously our big excitement because Kingpin's back and mm-hmm. all the kind of like idea of Spotlight being the street level stuff is starting to take a bit of shape and we're like, yeah, yes, yeah. this is good. Seeing the culmination of the ancestral storyline that was going on yes. was a lot of fun. So what I think you obviously brought it up last week when we were talking about it, and obviously we talked about it in Echo's character profile, that she goes on a spirit quest and that's kind of it. Yeah. And they were clearly blending that into less of like an intentional spirit quest that she's gone on, but her coming home has kind of triggered this ancestral thing inside of her that is coming to light. And it being like ramping up throughout the episode, and now obviously episode four and five were like, we got to see a lot more of that, her actually coming, facing it and finding out what's going on and going to talk to her grandmother and learning a bit more about what happened there and how she's connected. And kind of essentially by the fifth episode, she's like, she's come to terms with her family and where she's come from and kind of reaccepting that she has a place and a connection here after she kind of cut herself off because she thought they'd cut her off. This kind of full circle moment. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's a full circle moment. Um, I loved loved the way they're trying to do it because it is very much like you said, when we discussed in the character profile about her going on kind of like a spirit quest, Hmm. um, you're kind of like, oh, okay, cool. They probably probably won't adapt that because a lot of the time that's just meditating and thinking. But instead they've put like this kind of different twist on it. Yeah, uh, and the beauty is, it's kind of given her, obviously, some enhanced abilities that we see. But at mm. the same time, it's gone back to kind of like the old school idea of like a hero with powers that doesn't fully understand their powers. Like, yeah, yeah, she gets it comes from her ancestry, and like her lineage goes all the way back to like the first Chikawa people. But, but she doesn't understand why it's happening. <laughs> doesn't understand any more than that. Yeah. Um, uh, and then she starts to remember, like, her mom healing the bird and realizing, hang on, there's obviously some way to control this. Like, there's a, yeah. a way to call on it when it's needed, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it's like the idea her mom was a healer, but she's a warrior. Mm. So it's like, it's slightly different. It's just, yeah. oh, this. I, I challenge anyone to watch the back half of Echo, especially, because that's when it's really ramped up and got going and not think that super content can absolutely be high media and high art because the way yeah. they put this stuff together is just stunning um well, yeah 
But basically, what it boils down to is Kingpin, in a last ditch effort to get Maya to comply, kidnaps her grandmother and her cousin. Yeah. And then plans to blow up the festival. The, yeah, which is proper Kingpin shit. To do. It's like, okay, cool. I tried to be nice. Now I'm going to destroy and, everything you want. And love. just like, yeah. Like the saying is what kill him with kindness or whatever, and it's like he views that as step one, and when mm-hmm. that doesn't work, step two is okay, just kill them, kill them. Now I'm a my, like boss evil because yeah. that moment when he like the grandma gets bumped into picking up the letters in the post office, and then Kingpin steps into open his chat, and I'm like, no, 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 this is gonna go bad. He's being evil. But, um... This is a recurring theme that they used a lot in the Netflix shows. And I mean, mm. maybe we need to do a retroactive on the Netflix shows now that they're 100% canon. Maybe. But all of the villains across all of that are very two, uh, three-dimensional. And if, like, if, if the viewer can just imagine re-watching the Netflix shows right now, what happens is you introduce your hero, mm. you're introduced to the villain. You know they're the villain because they're doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Then you normally get an episode that's more centered around the villain, which makes them a sympathetic character. You see Kilgrave being experimented on and abused by his parents. You see um, Kingpin being bullied by his friends and his mm. dad abusing him and his mother. And then they do their first evil act, but yep. they do it out of self-defense. Kilgrave kills his parents to stop them hurting him. Kingpin kills his dad to stop mm-hmm. him from beating his mother. And you find them a sympathetic character because then you're like, oh, I could be them. Yeah. I could have been put in a situation where I have this horrible life. I snap one day for a valid reason, and that just mm-hmm. puts me the wrong path that I can't correct. I should feel a bit sorry for them. Yeah. And then you always get that grounding moment in the last or second to last episode of the series where they do something so abhorrent. You're like, okay, no, I couldn't be them because they are just evil. Yeah. Yes, they had a shit upbringing, but they had plenty of chances to correct along the way. They are now choosing to be outright evil. And it's such a beautiful arc and a formula that Netflix used beautifully. Um, And once again, like we see like a microcosm of it here because they don't need to rehash the same idea. But Mm -hmm. we see Kingpin employing the same thing. So, oh no, I'm sympathetic. Feel sorry for me. Like, kind of like stereotypical online nice guy behavior. It's like, oh, no one ever loves me. Everyone hates me. I just want to be loved. And then when no one gives in to his feel sorry for yeah it's like right i'm gonna kill your grandmother and your cousin if you don't come back to new york with me yeah and i think like you said because we've seen kingpin from netflix and we know like the people that have watched that have this understanding so they didn't need to fully go into it again with him but like for us we saw like him mention his dad again like, he's doing the same shit again we know this routine and then yeah. it's like they do it, they play it, and we see him with the grandma. And we're like, well, we know where this is going. He is like, we know his true colors, and we're waiting for like the people on the screen to realize. Yeah, absolutely. It is absolutely. But um, that final episode as well, something that I think they did an amazing job on was culturally showing the Native American side of things. And I think, obviously, my understanding of that culture is very limited. We didn't really learn it in school over here in the UK. No, Native American history is not something that's even no. really spoken about so over like, here. Obviously, to that extent, I don't know if it's 100% faithful to everything, but from the perspective we have, I think it came across like they did a very good job and respectable. So what I will say, and I might be slightly wrong here, but based on my knowledge, Marvel approached the Chikawa Nation well, 
Yeah, there's a thing at the end. They worked incredibly closely with them to ensure accuracy, fair representation, and stuff like that. So it wasn't just a, is it okay if we use your name yeah. nation? And they went, yeah. Like apparently they like worked really, really closely with them. Yeah, I saw the so thing at the Hopefully end. that means it's very accurate. Saw the thing that said thanks to them for working with us on this. So I, yeah, like the fact that they went to that much, those lengths to represent that culture as well was a in, great job by them. Yeah. In a world when it is inc- so easy to not bother, Mm. And no one would have really said anything, if we're being honest. It's nice that they bothered. Yes. And I, it, we shouldn't be giving, we shouldn't be in a world where we're giving credit for someone being bothered to make sure they're representing people faithfully. But such is the beast at the minute. At least they bothered. Um, yeah. And... So that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Post credit scene. Yes. So um, we get a kind of mini big fight. Maya shows off her yeah. powers. The kind of posing and like the going through the generations looked fucking awesome. It was I love that. Cool, yeah. Um, she then like gives power to her grandmother and her cousin who kick ass, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then they create a diversion. Kingpin escapes because that's what Kingpin does. Well, yeah, she gives Kingpin this weird vision. Yeah. She like tries to heal his trauma, which is fucking brilliant. Um, well, yeah, she she makes him face the trauma and try and like face it and i think her doing that is then what makes him hang on a second i can't i don't want to fuck with this this is some weird shit and runs away yeah and then we get the um uncle yeah henry shooting the rocket launcher yeah. guy and I, I love the announcement just going oh someone set off the fireworks early it's like Price, there's no color in that that is just an explosion yeah and there's now shrapnel raining on us yeah yeah that was that was one bit of, I, I, I don't know too much but like obviously are designed to like spread that metal evenly and dangerously someone the, must have got hurt it depends on like what angle it went if it went more over towards trees and maybe but yeah there's a bit of a weird there, there's going to be there. some raining hot metal that's very sharp that's probably, uh, best case scenario, scratched up some cars. Absolute <laughs> best case scenario. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we move on to the post credit scene, mm. um, which was Kingpin on a plane. Yep. Um, obviously heading back to New York. Freaked out. Um, yeah. And he stops what he's doing to listen to the news. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there is no front runner in the mayoral campaign yet. Um, it's anybody's race, even really late. They just want someone who's going to come out and they want Be a, a fighter. fighter. Yeah, yeah. They want someone who's going to tell them what they're going to do and do it. They don't want any of this dancing around the issue. Um, and that kind of perfectly sets up mm. how Kingpin becomes mayor because everyone's like, well he's gone to prison everyone knows he's a criminal if the netflix stuff is canon yeah but that doesn't matter could we can we just pause there is someone right now in the real fucking world who is this close to being made the party candidate for the republican in the next presidential race who is on federal who is literally spending his weekdays in federal court hearings yeah yeah like, it's People pretending American people wouldn't vote for a criminal. Yeah, and also like you've got to remember in the scenario is going to be Kingpin if he does like obviously setting him up to become mayor. We know from the comics like his whole thing is against vigilantes. 
he's very much going to spin the whole prison thing is because I was wrongly put there by a vigilante. A vigilante shot me. I've been like, you need someone who's going to fight your corner, especially if this is obviously going to be set post blip. We know in like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, post blip politically, things are a mess since post blip. And like, so this idea that Kingpin couldn't become, of course he could. Like corruption, like uncertainty, people will vote for someone who comes out and has a strong enough like presence uh, and happens to fight the right things. The right and also, moment. like he has a lot of money, he has a lot of power, and he's dangerous. He will use that to get political. Mm-hmm. He he'll use he'll that bribe to people and get. Yeah, yeah, he'll use that to strong arm someone into supporting him that yeah. buys a bit more public favor. Like, yeah. um, it's going to be very very interesting to see how this goes. Um, and with what we talked about earlier in the podcast with who is Muse, knowing that Daredevil born again, potentially the main villain is going to be Muse. You can now see sort of how. Daredevil, like Matt Murdock, can't stop Kingpin becoming mayor because he's too busy dealing with Muse. And then Kingpin's spinning all that stuff if this is all going to be true and if they use Muse. Like, you can see where this Daredevil show is potentially going to go with Matt knowing that Kingpin's trying to become mayor, got too much he's dealing with this other person to be able to stop this. And then you've got Kingpin spinning what's going on in his favor. Like you can sort of see where the story might be going for Daredevil Born Again, which is very exciting. And also, a side note, I believe someone else that ends up taking the role of mayor after him, or is someone he beats in the race for mayor or something like that, mm. is Luke Cage. Oh. Son of Harlem becomes, I think, I don't know if Luke Cage ever actually makes it to the mayor office or what, but like that is the kind of stuff like we could see potentially. That'd be pretty cool. Like, We've got some really cool potential stuff. I can't remember it perfectly, but I also think Wilson Fisk is responsible for um, releasing a lot of criminals from prison mm. under his anti-vigilante propaganda. So yeah. someone like a scorpion or a vulture, who I believe he then turns into like an elite task force to deal with vigilantes. Mm. <laughs> so what you get is you get like these traditional spider-man and other new york based heroes villains are turned into the police (laughs) like there is some really cool stuff they can play around with here and i'm excited to see how it goes yeah and i mean right now echoes obviously left in a place of she's with her people and kind of set up her character but uh she's now there for them to use if they want to whether it's just in spotlight or if she shows up in daredevil or something yeah. else but yeah um i i love the show this 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 it was style really of storytelling good. is a breath of fresh air in the marvel world because mm. we've been saying for a while they've really been struggling with this idea of how do we get bigger how do we get bigger how do we get bigger mm-hmm. and they need to redirect themselves back towards Street grounded level. storytelling mm. um maybe it'll be next week maybe it'll have to wait a little while depends how much research i need to do i'm gonna put a piece together about why spider-man needs to stop being in films um, and mm. it's going to piss some people off. But I have reasons, and they are good ones. Um, but that's story for another week. Yes. The Emmys. Mm. It's award season. So last, yeah, last week we discussed the Golden Globes, and we said we don't normally cover awards. <laughs> no, we um, don't. 
But then I was like, fuck it, we've done the Golden Globes. I saw the... I think over the two years of doing this, my timeline's, like, shifted just mm. slightly to capture awards discussion. Yeah. So now it's there and I'm aware of it. I'm more interested in the information. Um, so I thought, fuck it, we've got nothing else to talk about this week. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Emmys. So um, I've not grabbed all of the awards and all of the winners. I've grabbed no. pertinent awards from pertinent categories that I thought would be interesting to talk about. So... Yeah. Starting off with the comedy awards at the Emmys. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. The Emmys just does TV. They don't touch film at all like the Golden Globes, do they? Emmys is just TV. I think so. Let me double check. Uh, is the Emmys just TV? <laughs> yes, just TV. And emerging okay. media. I don't know what that is, but I think it's just TV. Probably indie stuff, maybe. Yeah. Um. So, comedy. The hmm. best comedy series, The Bear. I don't know why it's once again being categorized. Well, we went over this the other week with the Golden Globes. I don't know why this is getting categorized as comedy. But, like, I, I don't get involved in a lot of, like, debate over awards because everyone has their own opinion. Hmm. The one thing that I've never seen, and again, I'm not normally seeing much of, but I've never seen so many people unanimously go, The Bear deserves to win awards. It's great. It's not a comedy, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's almost... I feel like... Say what you want about award shows. There is definitely some bias when things are picked, shall we say. Hori doesn't want to say what he means. There's definitely some <laughs> pandering and some shows that have to win yeah, awards. Yeah, some corruption. So they just find a way to make sure they win awards. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think, basically, they know that and they agree that The Bear is an incredible show. Everyone's loved it over the two series that have come out. It's been like lots of people have talked about it. They know it needs to win awards because it is a, it's a very well put together show. But they don't want to put it in drama because they know there's other good shows in drama. Then they're like, well, we can just wipe it. It can just wipe out comedy yeah. because nothing's going to come close. They told? All that bit that made you they, chuckle? Don't get me wrong. There's the, there's the odd funny moment. But like, there's a lot of very serious moments in the bear that I wouldn't class it as a comedy. But here's the thing: it's not even like it's a drama comedy because, like, we looked on Google at the classification of yeah, it it's and just stuff drama. like that. It's just a drama. It's not like yes, it covers serious topics, but there's some laughs. They view it as a drama, but it's winning comedy awards. That's my main gripe with it. That having not seen it, I can't comment too much. Um, yeah. Best comedy actor goes to Jeremy Allen White for the bear. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, our, our complaints about this are the same that they'd be about the bear winning the best comedy series. Yeah. Jeremy Allen White's a great actor. I know yeah. that for free. Um, and I mean, and I they're, they're making the runs, just comedy. getting all the awards. So yeah. Um, best actress in a comedy series went to Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary. I've seen some clips from Abbott Elementary. It does seem very funny. Oh, okay. I don't know where we can watch it over here or if we can easily watch it over here, but I have seen some clips on TikToks and various things that have made me genuinely go, that's funny, I like that. So um, I'm going to assume that was a fair award. Um, best directing in a comedy series mm-hmm. went to Christopher Storer for The Bear for the episode Review. Uh, I forget which one the review, I'd have to look up. Da, 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 da. Episodes 
of review. Four stamps. Is that season one? Uh, I don't know. Oh, it was season one. Did both seasons come out in 2023? No. That came out in 2022, but... That makes sense. It must have just... I don't know. I'm... Oh, I know which episode this is. In season one, it's like, basically they get Uber Eats system installed. Got ya. Don't do it properly. Uh, And then suddenly, like, tickets start pumping through and it just goes to chaos, just pure chaos. And that episode is very well put together to, you you feel overwhelmed as a viewer. Okay, what you've just described to me synopsis-wise does sound like a comedy show. (laughs) <laughs> oh we've put this new system in it's causing chaos oh, how are we gonna fix it <laughs> yes but it's not told in a funny way it's told in a like oh shit like okay. you fucked up let like, us know in the comments does Hori just have a broken sense of humor and he's taking oh, it seriously maybe um best writing in a comedy series also goes to christopher stora for the bear for system uh system was season one episode one so it's probably for like the opening the first episode fair enough send the um premise the drama awards hmm um best drama series succession succession seems to be the reason the bear is winning comedy awards yeah i think so because it was the final Um, season we've not seen it but it was the final season i know it's got rave reviews and it's very very popular with like critics, fans, I, I I've not seen anyone have a real bad word to say about Succession, um. So I'm not necessarily surprised it's cleaning up at the awards for its final season, which sounds like for once in American circles got out at the right time. Mm. Um, best actor in a drama series, Kieran Culkin for Succession. Um, mm. I assume he plays one of the sons. Uh, apparently, of Succession. What I saw, everyone was said he very much deserved that win. So fair enough. I love the Colkin brothers. I wish nothing but good things upon them. They seem like nice guys who know how to act. Yeah. Um, best actress in a drama series went to Sarah Snook for Succession. Hmm. Um. Best directing in an episode of a drama series went to Mark Myloid for Succession. Connor's wedding. You had a wedding, Connor. Apparently. Uh, I mean, the name's spelled differently. But... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, and the best writing for an episode of a drama series went to Jesse Armstrong for Succession, Connor's Wedding. Mm. So what I'm hearing is Connor's Wedding must have been a really fucking good episode. Because I've got a feeling Kieran Culkin plays Connor. Maybe then. I'm just going to take a guess here. Paul it's Sam, interesting Paul. that they've got specific episodes and it doesn't necessarily have to be an episode that came out in 2023. Yeah, I don't understand how this works, but where is Kieran Culkin? Oh no, Kieran Culkin plays Ro- Roman. Where's Connor? Alan Ruck plays Connor. So, I don't know, maybe Kieran Culkin just had a big part of that wedding. Maybe. And um, who's Sarah, Sarah Snook plays Siobhan? Or Shiv. Uh, Shivroy. So, interesting, interesting, yeah. interesting. 
Um, but yeah, so that's um, the drama stuff. Yep. Limited and anthology. This is an interesting one, which I quite like the idea of. Mm-hmm. Um, best limited or anthology series went to Beef, which I believe was a Netflix show. Um, yeah. Which I, I again, at the time, I heard a lot of good things about, but it's kind of disappeared and I, I do intend to watch it but as with everything i don't have enough time i have a massive stack of comics i have a large list of shows i want to watch mm-hmm. it's tough life yeah no i i heard good things everyone said it was a very good show and yes maybe that should have been in the comedy section i heard a lot of people found it quite funny maybe maybe it's only because it's one season maybe that's yeah, I, don't, goes unlimited. I, I don't know should we should we start a cut scene awards <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we'd have more of an obligation to watch a lot of this shit. Yeah, we'd then have to watch. I don't. Everything. I don't think it's shit. It might be. Good, but you know, I, mean? I, I, I well, feel like I'd have to watch a lot we, more. We stuff. have to watch everything, which includes yeah. the shit stuff. Or maybe we just have to start doing awards for like the stuff we cover, <laughs> and then and then we'll and then we'll do an other category that could just be anything else. Yeah. We'll do a comedy or musical category. Sorry, and that can just be anything else. We'll just put Succession in there. Well, no, we'll put Star Wars in it. <laughs> you not remember they sung in that one episode? <laughs> yeah, and or the most um, comedy. Limited slash anthology best actor went to mm-hmm. Stephen Ewan for Beef. Yep. Uh, Stephen Ewan, of course, uh, the voice of Mark Grayson Invincible. Yes. Um, he was supposed to be the Sentry, but has recently backed out of that due to scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Stephen Ewan's a good actor. Yeah. I've just realised, I refer to him as Mark Grayson for Invincible. It's probably someone losing their mind right now because they know him as someone from The Walking Dead, don't they? Yeah. I was yeah. sat here thinking that, but I was like, you know what? We're going to stay true to our audience. And Yeah. We're, we're Invincible stands here. Pipe down. Um, best Actress in a Limited Anthology Series. Uh, Ali Wong, also for Beef. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, they are like two of the only characters in Beef. I don't think there's many supporting characters in that show, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Directing went to Lee Sung Jin for Beef Figures of Light, mm-hmm. which is a very pretty sounding episode. Yeah. Um, and then the writing went to Lee Sung Jin for Beef for The Birds Don't Sing, They Screech in Pain. <laughs> Not such a pretty sounding episode. <laughs> um, two sides of the same coin there, I feel. Um, yeah. But... So. Looks like Beef just cleaned up yeah. the uh, limited anthology uh, department. Now, this might be under the short form mm-hmm. two of the most like agreed upon awards I've ever seen. Oh, okay. So, short form series award mm-hmm. was given to I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Okay. Which I'm willing to bet anyone who is chronically online has seen a clip of. It is when he does the drive through and he's like, you know what, let me pay for the guy behind me. And then he drives around. He's like, let me go, let me go. I'm trying to do something. And then he's like talking really fast to put the order through. So that's from that show. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which is really funny. I've watched some of it. It is a very, very good show. Um, it's a skit show. If you if mm-hmm. you want to laugh and you don't want to have to worry about a story, give it some time. Um, short okay. form actor went mm-hmm. to Tim Robinson for I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Yeah. Um, again, the show is so good. 
and he's like the focal point of it all, it makes sense. Um, And then short form actress went to Jasmine Guy for the Chronicles of Jessica Wu. I don't know much about that. All I know is she didn't play Jessica Wu in that. So she must have been really good. Oh. Um, I think overall there wasn't too much drama about the Emmys. No. There was one bit of drama. And there was a second bit of drama. Okay. Um, Better Call Saul had its last Yes, season. it did. Better Call Saul is done. Yep. And it has now become the most nominated show at the Emmys to never win an Emmy. Which is wild. 53 nominations, zero wins. For a show that has, for the last million years it feels like being referred to as one of the best things on tv breaking bad which is viewed as one of the greatest shows of all time Mm. there are genuinely people who think better call saul which is a spin-off is better than it it's just wild and i don't know if like that i don't understand the reasoning as to how it's not won uh, I don't understand. Bear in mind, it seems to have been the show that's been beloved. It didn't need yes. any like cooking time. It hit the screen, so everyone's like, yeah. "This is awesome," and it's been at that level the entire time. And somehow, it's not even one, not even a writing or directing one. Yeah, nothing. Like it, that's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. And like, I haven't gone back to look at all the nominations and work out what's been beaten by to see if like there's any logic and it's just been really unlucky or what. But really? Mm. Um, and we're going to start the second bit of drama. Okay. Was Andor robbed of best drama series? But more importantly, and this is where I genuinely think we've got a case. Okay. Best writing for an episode, One Way Out. Okay. I struggle to believe that a drama show about a bunch of rich kids fighting for <clears throat> daddy's company can possibly reach the heights of One Way Out on a writing level. Um, and I think that's... Obviously, have have, we haven't seen Succession. Yeah, I don't know how good it is. It very much does feel like it won a lot of awards because it was its final season and it's just finished. And they're like, oh, it was a good show. Probably is a good show. I, and I have no doubt in my mind it's a good show. Andor was a cracking show. And... You say the one way out, uh, but there's also like the one where um, Lupin does his speech. Yeah, one way out was what was nominated, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Like it but, had nomination; it was there for best. Oh, writing. so then win. I feel like when it's come to the directing and writing ones, if you also it's just look gone at to comedy, the show as one. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's a bit of bias there. Absolutely. What I'm seeing, though, The Bear, both of its episodes for directing writing were for some season one. There's a chance that if Andor season two gets nominated, they'll just give it him a a year later sort of thing. Now, I will admit freely, because I think it's always like the most beautiful parts of any storytelling experience, Mm. a good soliloquy does always make me kind of like go yeah this is peak it does like maybe i'm a bit too shakespearean with it but a soliloquy does something to me okay 
Andy Serkis's monologue soliloquy mm-hmm. speech in One Way Out might be some of the best writing I've experienced, especially in the superhero sci-fi nerd genre. Yeah. 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 And I genuinely believe, and we've said multiple times, Andor, if you were to strip away its Star Wars and just hide it as a slightly separate sci-fi and you repackaged it as not being Star Wars but told the exact same story, yeah, you could convince a lot of Star Wars is for kids, we all, we're all about high art idiots, mm-hmm. that it is the greatest thing ever written. And I think the Star Wars name has robbed Andor of this award. Possibly. Possibly. And that is the hill I'm going to die on today. <laughs> um, I, If Andor keeps up its levels for season two and still doesn't win an Emmy, I'm going to lose my mind. But, correct me if I'm wrong, I know it was a running gag. I don't think Family Guy's ever won an Emmy. Oh, they probably don't like Stephen Farm. Yeah, they, so they've never won a comedy award, but they've won like outstanding for like individual things, I think. Okay. But they've never won like best comedy series, I think. They've just won like a runners up award, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. Because like there was an entire episode, I remember, of Family Guy, where they like did an Emmy episode <laughs> where they just like they looked at other comedies that were winning Emmys, like Modern Family, yeah. and they like did spoofs of it to take the piss. Fair. I respect um, it. Right then, should we get into some nerdy news? Yes, let's get into some news. So we're going to start off with more Echo. Um, yes. I'm going to move the one bit about Echo that's further down, up, further, higher up to make more sense. Okay. Um. So Echo mm-hmm. has topped both the Hulu and Disney Plus charts um, mm. as like their best show at the minute, as like yes, their best thing on the platform at the minute, which is stunning news. Really, really oh, good news. It's great, considering following Loki, which was already a huge success for them to then smash it with echo straight out of the gate right and also echo's a harder sell yeah loki has the backing of avengers films and tom hiddleston who's a superstar and this that and the other and it was season two so you already all them people who were invested in it mm-hmm. echo was a side character from yep. hawkeye yep that was being given the limelight deservedly but it's a harder sell. Oh, yeah, it is. Especially when you've got all these bullshit well, arguments about woke bullshit and this, that, and the other, trying to, like, deter from these kinds of projects. Yeah, I do think there's a... It's a harder sell in the sense of who the character is. I think there's, it has a slight advantage of, because it's the Marvel spotlight, they were selling it as, you don't need to have watched any of the MCU stuff, like... If you liked MCU and you want some, like, here's a thing you can watch. You don't need to worry about watching all this other stuff. And, like, the people like us who watch everything, if we had a friend who was like, and we're like, oh, Echo's coming out. You don't need to watch anything else. And they're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll watch it then. Because a lot of the Marvel stuff, we're like, oh, well, you need to watch this, this, and this to understand what's about to happen. So it's easier in that sense. homework is huge. Yes. Definitely, I think, has helped it. Alakwa Cox is doing a press tour for Echo. She is. She's been doing a trip of uh, Good Morning America. She was on Jimmy Fallon the other night. Um, this isn't really news, but I just want to shine a light on her. She's brilliant. Yeah, she's doing a great After job. After 
after the Marvels, I kind of went, Amon Valeni's great, everyone needs to be nice to her, otherwise we're going to have problems. She has now been put in that bracket. We yeah. like these. They're good people doing good things who care about the projects. Once yes. again, she wasn't really an actress before this. This is like her first big role. Which is huge she for her. She was job hopping before this. Which is wild. They loved her so much, instead of trying to cover up her leg amputation, they built it into the character of Echo. Yeah. Because they were like, no, you're brilliant. We will make it work. The cast and crew love her so much. They went and learned some ASL because they wanted to sh mm -hmm. show her that they cared and they wanted to make an effort. She is out there championing this doing stuff, doing stuff that is scary and intimidating to do at the best of times, let alone when you've not been doing it since you were what? young and been properly media trained, this, that, and the other. That's the thing. And you're having to worry about an interpreter that you're having to interact with to answer questions. She is smashing it. Considering this is like her first big thing and it's a marvel to get chucked in like the deep end of doing all these talk shows and different things, which for the most part, even the big trained actors don't always enjoy having to do that stuff. Yeah. She's she's smashing it. She's doing a great she, job. She she's out there being a real champion of both inclusivity, but she's also being a stunning role model for yeah. little girls, Native Americans, people with disabilities everywhere. She's just like, nah, there's no stopping us. Yeah. Um so shout out to her. She is amazing. Um Star Wars mm. is reportedly getting its own version of what if we're going to get a good guy, Anakin. Which, I mean, Star Wars fans, since the second What If's first season came out, were like, can we get a Star Wars one? This would be fun. Um, and I didn't think it was going to happen. I'll be completely honest. I thought they'd be like, no, nah, we won't do that. That's a Marvel thing. But they're doing it, apparently. Um, I... So I am requesting a trade. <laughs> yeah, so Star Wars, you, you, mm. you, could, uh, you could have What If. You can, you can do your own What If episodes. We would like Visions. We would like a, we would like a Marvel, Marvel season of Visions, please. I would, I, I would like to see a claymation. I like this Hulk idea. Versus Wolverine. Yeah, this is big. I like. <laughs> obviously, when you, I saw your like little comment on it, and I was like, oh, I wonder how that would work. And I was like, oh, they could. Add, oh, yeah, that could work because they can use the Marvel characters, and yeah, then they can just tell their own stories in their own animation yeah. styles. Yeah. So yeah, I'm all for like a Marvel have, Visions. Have some let literally go to these studios go what character would you like to do try and stay away from our super super big characters because that's going to limit your freedom a little bit have some fun imagine them getting hold of like a really niche character and just being able to have fun with the art style oh if they do that if they happen to do like a, a flip and marvel gets to visions i am saying it now but i want one episode to be done by the kid that did the Lego Spider-Man. Oh, what a Lego episode. Let that kid do a full little short. Like a full thing all about him and it's Lego Spider-Man again or it's Lego something else. I, I will wait for as long as it takes, as long as he doesn't have to overwork himself. If it takes him <laughs> a year to do it by himself, taking it at a respectable rate, I will wait. Yes, I want it. Give it now. That'd be such a good, that's such a good yeah. way to give that kid another opportunity yeah. to do something cool. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so um, Star Wars, what if very cool? I'm also very excited for that. Yeah, but being, bearing in mind as a general rule, you're the Star Wars representative, I'm the I'm so... representative. We would like visions. <laughs> There's also like 
think of the voice actors that will come back. Like we'll, we'll probably we have get so much fun. Yeah, and it's like it's gonna be so we can fun. have Darth Maul stuff. We can have Qui Gon Jinn. Um, there's there's a lot. Like, what if I don't know? What if Obi Wan went to the dark side instead? Yeah. Yeah, what if Obi-Wan joins Anakin? What if Qui-Gon doesn't die? Like, what if Luke went to the dark side, joined Vader? Like, don't get me wrong, I hope we get some quirky, weird ones as well. Yeah. Like, just stupid. What, what if there's zombies? <laughs> yeah, like, give me some cheap ones. But there's What if the Ewoks were zombies? Yes. What What if the Ewoks were worse <gasps> than the Empire? No. Yeah, what if the Ewoks <laughs> were zombies and it's like they're in the forest and then there's just these zombie bears start attacking them? Um, so, going back to what we said last week about yes. Daredevil on, yeah. and the Netflix shows being canonized. Yes. So we got a little bit of clarification about that. So Daredevil Born Again has been undergoing some creative changes because mm. they realized it wasn't quite working. Yeah. And as part of that process, they realized the Netflix stuff had to be made canon. Yeah. Um, so they they made that decision, um, and that's what's happening. And as a result of that, last week we were like, okay, so they've got to bring back Foggy and Karen. Let's get yeah. it done. The reports are now coming out claiming that Foggy and Karen will be in Daredevil: Born Again with the same actors coming back. Which is great news. This is a victory. This is an a absolute huge W. Victory. Such such good news. They did such good job working on them shows. They are brilliant characters. We need them back. We get them back. This is exactly what we want to see. Yeah. Um, Robert Downey Jr. He's obviously doing a lot of press work at the minute because it is award season. Yeah, he's Roman. Yeah. With Oppenheimer. For a lot of awards for his stunning work in Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, But my man is showing some credit to his career. Uh, He's mentioned that he thought he gave some of his best acting performances during his tenure as Iron Man and Tony Stark in the MCU, but he thinks they went largely unnoticed because of the genre. And this is something me and you and a lot of other fans have said for a long time, not just in regards to him, but in regards to all actors. Actors will turn up, put in absolute stunning performances, but they do just get kind of overlooked because, oh, it's a Marvel film, it's a DC film, it's a Star Wars film, who cares? Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's I respect him for like actually calling them out on it, essentially. Yeah. And like, of course, Robert Downey Jr. is the one to like do that as well. There was a period of time when a lot of the OG MCU actors finished their time because their characters had moved on or whatever, hmm. um, where they were kind of like trying to distance themselves a little bit. And everyone was like, obviously, they hated it. And I think now that we can see everyone talking fondly about it, I think they were actually just going, no. I need to distance myself so I can get a fucking job so that people can see I'm not just that character and then I can be nice again. That's exactly what's happened. Oddly, yeah, they just... distanced himself, went and cooked in Oppenheimer. Yeah. And now that everyone's been reminded that he is a phenomenal actor, he's like, don't forget, I was doing this shit over there as well. Yeah, it's like, they didn't hate working on Marvel. They just needed, create, like, they just needed a fresh creative. And like, exactly they had to that. push away from Marvel and do something new. Also, can I just point out though, him calling out that like Marvel stuff got snubbed and like being like, yeah, you you purposefully chose not to give us awards. It's such a Tony Stark thing to do. Yeah, but it, it goes back to a, a clip that was doing the rounds. I don't know if it was from an award show this season or last year, but Angela Bassett obviously got nominated mm. for an Oscar for her role in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Yeah. And Mulaney did a bit and he's like, she, she's so good. She got nominated for an Oscar in... 
um, a for a role in a, for a Marvel film. That's like getting a Pulitzer Prize for a Reddit comment. <laughs> and that gets this big laugh. And, and that just goes to show how the majority of the industry view these films. And it's yeah. just crazy. It's I'm wild. Not funny, I'm not acting like they are the highest form of art to ever exist. No. The but... themes and the stuff they tackle a lot of the time are very, very good. Yeah, and like, a lot of these newer ones, like ten, tw like twenty years ago, yeah, okay, the superhero films weren't at this point, but like they've come a long way, and the writers on them are a lot better nowadays. And the, there is the, the modern superhero film has not shaken off the uh, mid two thousands. Yeah, that's the unfortunate uh, thing. feel. Um, but we're getting there, and yeah. actors winning Oscars like RDJ guy, I acted no better in this than I did in the Marvel films, is going to help. Yeah, it is. Um, Andor news. Um, yes, Diego Luna, who of course plays Cassie and Andor, mm -hmm. says that they've only got about a week left of Andor two season of Andor season two filming to do, yeah. and then the filming is done. Which is I'm... wild that it's not coming out this year. But then that makes me think we're going to well, get it very early. I know there's obviously post production, but there's also probably going to be reshoots as well. True, there's always reshoots. But like, uh, but I I reckon we though we haven't got a day on it. I do reckon it's going to be very early twenty twenty five. Around this time next year, we're talk we're getting ready for or have started uh, Andor yeah, season for two. Andor for sure. season two, yeah, for sure. Um, now, um, I think I've spoken about my feelings towards horror games on the podcast before. I yes. love horror games, but cannot play them because <laughs> I'm a baby back bitch. Um, but because I love them but can't play them, my favorite thing in the world to do is watch playthroughs of horror games because mm. that gives me the perfect level and one of my favorites is until dawn which was a horror video game that yes. had multiple different paths you can go down but they cast right. a lot of actors including jordan fisher um as an actor <laughs> that the twitch and gaming community will know quite well yeah, yeah. um in a lot of these roles um, and I love it. It's one of the, it's a really, really cool story. Very, very well put together. I believe it also has Rami Malek in it. Now that I think about it. Okay. Um, let me just cool. get the Until, Until Dawn cast up here. Because there are some genuine fucking names in here. Uh, characters. I feel like that Until means they have mean... to cast these people then, right? <laughs> well, that that is part of the discussion that's going around here. So, we've got Brett Dalton, who was in okay. Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as... Mm. Um, the agent who turns to ah oh, turns into the Hydra agent. Oh, okay. You've also, I believe, got Brenda Song, although she might have been in a similar but different game if I'm misremembering potentially. Rami Malik is in it. Um, you've got Jordan Fisher. Some like legitimate actors gave this game a good old chance. Yeah. Um, and look, I think it's a really good game that came out really well. The story's solid. But they're apparently adapting it into a film which is interesting so the big issues you've potentially got are the game does rely on user choices there is yeah. like dozens of different endings mm. so the people who really want this to happen anyway have got two requests they're like work out every possible ending film them all and just send them out randomly that every would be every cool. cinema gets whatever ending they get. That actually would be a very cool way of dealing with it. Um, and bring back the actors. Yeah. The story still works if you age the actors up slightly. It's not a problem. They don't need to be teenagers. Yeah. Um, 
but bring back the actors because they all did a great job. They deserve it. And they are legitimate actors. They're yeah. not just voice actors and you've got models in them. They are, they face scanned the actual acting. Yeah, they yeah, did yeah. the actual acting. Um, the only issue I have with the first one mm-hmm. is I'm going to ask everyone to cast their mind back. Oh. When Across the Spider-Verse came out, there mm-hmm. was like four different versions in theatres. There was. That had different Easter eggs. Yep. That everyone loved at the time. And then when it came out onto DVD, everyone was like, oh, it sucks. The one I didn't, s- or the one I saw is the one on DVD. So now I'm never going to get to see the other three. <laughs> so when a DVD of that film was comes out, do they then have to give you the option to watch like all 12 different versions? Um this is the problem. How do at some point someone still needs to decide what the definitive version is? Nah, you could easily with na- technology now. It you could, if someone goes on Netflix and like play the Until Dawn film, it can randomly pick one of the options. Is that where you'd go? Have them all on there, but every time you press play, you don't know what one you're gonna get. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You can do that nowadays. Um, um do you know what we've not done in a while? <laughs> What's that? We have not told um, rich scumbag CEOs they're rich scumbag CEOs. This is true. Um, we haven't slated CEOs enough in twenty twenty. I don't think. Yeah, we've not done it. I think at all this year yet. And no, I'm haven't. a little bit angry at myself, so I'm just going to catch up. I'm very quick. disappointed in you. Bob Iger earned in excess of thirty million dollars in twenty twenty three. This is when. He spent most of his time that year telling actors and writers who wanted a fair wage they were asking for too much. Bob Iger, if this somehow makes it onto your desk, you're a piece of shit. I wish nothing but bad things on you. Sleep well. don't understand how someone can sit there and, like, essentially, I don't know if it was him that directly said that he wanted them on the streets. Yeah, no, it was Bob Iger. It was a Bob Iger quote. So, like, the fact that he can sit there and wanted people to lose their houses over these strikes while he's cashing in $30 million for the year is just, like, a wild mental place to be able to be in. Like, how? Because, like, we're not talking about the superstar actors here. We're talking about the actors who are working actors who get by on their residuals. Like, we heard so many stories about superstars who, for a lot of their career, had to get by on residuals. And these guys were going... The, because of streaming services, residuals aren't good enough now. You need to amend our our rights and come mm-hmm. to an agreement that we're going to get comfortable residuals so that we can live off residuals again, as actors have always been able to do. And he is sitting out on his $30 million a year and his nice cushy job going, you're asking for too much. It's on a, It what, baffles what me. What on God's green earth? Baffles me I'm, that someone I'm just going to say mindset. right now, all of the companies that were holding out on these strikes, mm. I'm willing to bet if all their CEOs took a 50% pay cut, which would still be well within the top 1%, like comfortably, like probably top 0.1% of mm-hmm. the world, they would probably, just by doing that, have covered 90% of the extra costs. It's... There is I'd... no reason... No. There is no reason for Unless... any individual to earn $30 million a year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to say this now. Maybe this gets thrown back in our face. If this podcast ever gets to the point where the two of us 
are somehow earning $30 million a year from doing this, I'm going to punch you in the head if we don't start donating obscene amounts well, of money to reasonable causes. Here's the thing. If we're ever at a point where we're earning $30 million and we don't have that money going to pay for a team... Yeah, I'm, not, I'm like, talking about like even if after we can do all that kind of stuff, like I don't need to be that kind of stupid rich. I need to know my house is paid for, my bills are paid for, I don't have to worry about food, and I can play whatever new game I want to play. If we've got, after that, money's pointless. If we've got that much money coming in, we'll start our own studio and start making just our to, own films. Just, just to undercut everyone. Yeah. We'll just fucking we'll make, hey, we'll be fair, we've got t- we've, in about 10 years' time, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, that's not in yeah. the public domain. Well, you've got to be careful because the Batman logo and the Superman logo don't. Hori, you're a graphic designer. Yeah, but ones. like, you've got to be, they'll, they'll be very picky with that. Yeah, but I have we'll some find that. A way around it. We've got a lot of money, we'll work it out. <laughs> yeah, um, we, it's all this money we've got. Well, I mean, in this hypothetical world, we do have loads of money, so. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Ted. Yes. The Seth MacFarlane films. The first one was a masterpiece. The second one was a shit show. Yeah. Um, got its own TV series. It did. Which apparently Peacock approached Seth MacFarlane about, not the other way around. They were like, we think it's time we want to do something with his IP. And he was like, if you guys are willing to fund a fully CGI bear for that many episodes and you're not going to half-ass it, I'll do it. Yeah. It's It's become Peacock's most watched original series already. Yeah, apparently it's doing really well. I've seen some clips. It's fucking hilarious. They've done a good job with the writing from what I can see. It is some of the bits that have made it yeah. via Twitter. Are, they are like proper family guy, OG peak family guy bits. Yeah, it's like, like, and like hitting that original Ted sort of like humor points. Yeah really really funny i'm loving it so much it's just like these moments and like i've always said one of my favorite things is when you've got someone who's kind of aware that people are being a bit weird like in a comedy where something funny but insane is happening just mm. that one guy going what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah. and there's like a clip going around and he's like oh we had an indian kid going here last year like uh the john character mm. he's like but they got to him and ted's just like what do you mean they got to him He's like, oh, he's really nice. He, he always brought cool food. It's like, what do you mean they got to him? Who got to him? <laughs> he's just not addressed and they just continue on with their day. Yeah, I do I do love what like the Ted character is and how he is used. Ted is an amalgamation of Peter Griffin and Stewie, who are two of the funniest characters yeah. in sitcom history. Oh, yeah. It's, like, um, it's just Seth MacFarlane going to be. Um, and another one that I really, really found funny was they're, they're in like they're in school. And like the mm. popular girl is horrible to the teacher, and Ted just treads her to pieces. <laughs> I think the teacher is like his mum or something, or like the equivalent of his mum. Okay. Um, and he's like, um, and like you can clearly tell, like the theme of that episode was they weren't being as nice to her at home yeah. as they should be. So he like overcorrected oh, okay. school, yeah. and he's turned this really popular girl who sat there being all sassy and bitchy, <laughs> and she's like in tears, grabbing her book, oh, and running that. out the door. And then John's just like, Teddy, what the fuck? And he's like, sorry, did I go too far? <laughs> really funny. I do like it. Because it's like, Ted is essentially an adult person. But like, he starts off being with a kid. Yeah. It's just and so doesn't funny. know how to tone down. I did see uh, that Seth MacFarlane said, if people are wanting a season two, like, you've got to show it with the viewership. 
and like, <laughs> they're showing it <laughs> so i mean if it's the most watched then i think there's a high chance there'll be a season two and of this i believe in the uk it's available on sky something Possibly. which is um, so like, now TV they've done the one thing that some companies seem to struggle to do and they found a way to get it out of just america which is going to help it yeah so um i do plan on finding time to watch it at some point because it seems i mean with family guy being like my go-to like lazy watch mm. yeah. it seems like it might be a um a good thing to go and grab um more daredevil news that we should have grouped up but suck it it's our podcast <laughs> um daredevil born again is due to restart filming any day now yeah um the length of the series was originally reported to be 18 episodes yeah that's now up in the air after the creative changes that we discussed earlier with them changing stuff slightly and bringing the the netflix stuff in as canon that mm-hmm. might change slightly i won't be surprised if we end up with about 12 episodes yeah i was gonna say it's maybe something like 12 because i feel like now the stuff's canon there's kind of there's obviously they're gonna yeah they're obviously gonna have to explain a bit of like what's been going on but it is less of like setting up daredevil in the mcu is needed if like we've already essentially had that uh which might mean though we do need to go back and rewatch daredevil before this comes out would you like my um you know the meme like the knife to the throat would you like my knife to the throat take okay here we go i don't need or want a scene of Matt Murdock when the blip happens. I don't need or care to see him hearing half the heartbeats disappear. I think this is one of these things that people who don't make shows but think they know how to make shows, like we do sometimes, mm-hmm. have decided would be really cool. But how does that fit into any kind of narrative they're trying to tell without feeling like obvious pandering at this point? Yeah, I think before Echo. I would have still been very strongly on the idea of like, I'd like to have Matt be blipped. And that's kind of why Kingpin got back into a position of power. Because we've seen Echo and we saw that Daredevil was still kind of rocking about, then that kind of gets rid of that idea. Which, yeah, I don't know if they necessarily need. The blip exactly. will probably be addressed because they're going to kind of have to address it somehow. Absolutely. But I, d- I don't need like a 30 second scene of him having a panic attack as all these heartbeats disappear. I think... I, d- I don't think that adds to the story like people think it will. We'll more likely get the blip kind of gets him, maybe is his reason for getting back into the suit as much because he's like, yes. suddenly everything's gone to shit and he needs to kind yeah. of... That I'm okay with, but I, ju- I just don't need like this panic attack scene everyone wants. I don't need it. <laughs> Content Championship time! Yes. Yes, indeed. Semi-finals? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're mm. deep in this bitch. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> you heard. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. Versus Return of the Jedi. Ooh, baby. As always, we have six categories to... uh help us meander our way through this um personal relevance how well it's aged rewatchability story acting cinematography slash general visuals mm-hmm. now just out the gate we have I magicians think, think with is, wands yeah. versus I, magicians I think, with I sticks think need, i think we need this for um 
the semi-finals and the finals. We love both of these films. Yeah, yeah, we do. And both of these franchises. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it this far. This is true. But there can only be one winner. Yep. And I'm going to start with a hot take. I think this is one of the easier ones we've had in a little while. Oh, shit. (laughs) Unless Hori's about to blow me away. Um, But let's get started with personal relevance. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, with us being two uh, British-born kids, literally born perfectly for the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. It it is no doubt quite pertinent to us. I read all seven Harry Potter books in a two-week holiday to my grandparents. I hadn't really been a big reader before that. But I took all seven books, like four of them were my brother's like versions that he had, Mm -hmm. and then three were like ones that had been bought for me because I was old enough to get the books now. Right. Um and I took them all down and I read them in two weeks because they lived on like um it's not like a caravan park, it's like a retirement park. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't a lot to do as a kid there it was a nice couple of weeks but I just got to lay there for yeah. four days and power through seven very just good books solid reading session yes if only I could muster that now <laughs> um, <laughs> so I love Harry Potter as a franchise and in my opinion this is the best Harry Potter film by a mile yep. the, the thematic changes that we start to see as we go from two on uh from three onwards mm-hmm. are so great you've got looping and stuff like that it's awesome there there is nothing to dislike about this film as far as i'm concerned maybe mm. rose tinted glasses um because i haven't seen it super recently but i love this film so much see i am obviously oh, as you said we are the generation that grew up with the harry potter films coming out and the, and the books at the same time I wasn't a Harry Potter book reader. I haven't read the books. Um, something that's probably on like that list of to do one day. But uh, yeah, I I agree. Harry Potter for our generation was like a huge cultural thing. It was very impactful. Loved the films. This is, as you said, one of the better, like the best one. Is also one of my favorite ones. One that sticks in my mind a lot more than the others. But. Oh, episode six. Oh, <laughs> Return yeah. of the Jedi. I mean, Star Wars, man. It's like it's the original trilogy. It's the accumulation of the that first story. It all comes together. We get, I believe, the first green lightsaber in Star Wars history. We get. Luke having gone away to learn and he comes back to save Leia and Han. And yeah. He's this Jedi. We get the big fight. We get Jabba the Hutt. We get all that fight. We, we get, get the redemption see- of Anakin. Yeah. We 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 get the thump like my one of my earliest memories of learning about like looking for themes in films was finding out about Luke wearing black mm-hmm. to show that he might turn to the dark. And then after the final battle, the flap opens up to show the white inside because he was always going to stay true to the light no matter what it's just it was it was a moment when you like watch it and you understand it properly because like you watch it before you understand it obviously Mm -hmm. but like i probably watched this on three times growing up before i started to understand the power of storytelling in films and i i adore this film so much and it's like 
that trilogy on its own, like, and this being the final part of it, like you say, sticks so strongly in our minds from being kids of that, like, final part of this film with the, like, Vader redeeming himself and all, like, it all coming together. And then it's like, fall in love with Star Wars just from those three films. Like, that love of Star Wars was, was planted. So it's kind of it's hard not to say that is very relevant to my love of nerdum and Star Wars. Exactly. Um, how well it's aged. <sighs> this I will say is probably two of the strongest contenders yeah. in the entire bracket of how well it's aged. This is true. Harry Potter just refuses to die. Yeah, and if anything and gets I, bigger. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't mean like in a like in a bad way. Like, okay, it needs to be left to die now. Like, it just doesn't. Bearing in mind, it was seven books. They've not written any more books. I mean, that, they've done the Cursed Child play, but that's different. The yeah. last film came out in like 2010, 2012, ages, maybe. Though. Harry Potter so final film release. 2011, thirteen <sighs> years. Just put that in respect, yeah. Thirteen years ago was the last time any new. Harry Potter like was opened up easily to the public because mm-hmm. Cursed Child's so difficult to get tickets for. I, while working at the McDonald's down the road, have seen six-year-olds in all-out Harry Potter homemade robes <laughs> excited to go to a studio tour. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, on top of that, like we grew up in the UK. It was very much UK culture. It was very big here. It was obviously always going to be big in the UK. What's more impressive, I'd say, is it's got stronger over the years, even up to recently. Like I feel like the US and other countries have like there's a stronger fandom growing. This year in Japan, they opened a second studio tour. There you go. They they they've taken some props from the one in um London, mm-hmm. um and sent it over to Tokyo to create another tour experience out there. There you go then. Like, that's crazy. You've not released any anything new in 13 yeah, yeah. years, and you're now building a new tour on the other... Like, literally, Japan's about as far as it gets from the UK. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the other side from us. Yeah. It's, it's so, so impressive. It's staying power. But... Yeah potentially the only nerd franchise that has more staying power <laughs> star wars is star wars and a, and a franchise that hasn't stopped growing like it's, content wise yeah They're, it's crazy yeah. It's considering crazy. that original trilogy has now for better like ignoring our views on each individual trilogy and how well they did but we've had three trilogies multiple seasons of multiple shows We've got a full long, like multiple seasons of an animated series, and it's all plus been books. a financial success. Yeah, plus there's books, there's comics, there's all this additional media, like games. Now. Yeah, because like, um, Disney owns Marvel and everything that comes mm. with that, as well as Disney. Dis- uh, sorry, Star Wars and Marvel um, came to a deal where now Marvel makes Star Wars. loads of ongoing Star Wars comics. There you go. So, like, like, I went to look at my Forbidden Planet subscriptions the other day, mm. um, and one of the most popular subscriptions 
that Forbidden Planet has, because you can search by popularity, like the fourth most popular one, going up against Marvel and DC, is a Darth Vader comic ongoing. That's pretty cool. Like, that's fucking wild. Yeah. That's that's bleeding out of a film, because that's what they were. They were just films. There's nothing yeah. additional to them when they came out. It has bled out in so many different forms of media in a way that I think is so impressive. It is so difficult to go from the screen to paper over paper mm-hmm. to the screen. And I mean, that's you could, crazy. You could even say uh, the impact that those original trilogies with ILM had as well and what that's done for the film industry like yeah they've just aged phenomenally and that episode six got re-released recently like the love for that film is still there there is held in such a high regard like and the other films if anything have just kind of somewhat grown in popularity since their release some more than others but like yeah that franchise is going strong Rewatchability. Now, both of these have been weak contenders in the rewatchability category because they're part of such large franchises. Mm. And we've always kind of said, I mean, there's just so much to watch and you have to watch it all if you're going to watch it. Yeah. So I feel like rewatchability is actually a really easy category here because we've always said the less you have to watch, the easier it is to rewatch. And mm-hmm. in that case, the Star Wars original trilogy is much easier to rewatch than all seven harry potter films yeah i was also i feel like i could sit and watch prisoner of azkaban and be happy enough watching it would i have perfect recollection of what exactly happened before and be able to like jump straight in Mm. star wars i could chuck on episode six I'm more than happy being able to remember everything that happened before that. But you wouldn't just chuck on episode six. I wouldn't, but <laughs> if we were to just throw on the individuals, I would have a easier time watching episode six 100%. and remembering stuff because it's so ingrained than I would watching Prisoner of Azkaban. Counterpoint. And it's much because of the people I know. <laughs> but I feel like I know more people who will binge rewatch Harry Potter more regularly. Oh, I do. Or binge watch Star Wars. Because I feel like Harry Potter is also a slightly easier watch. Yeah. It's easier to spread out as well. Like, you could watch one a night quite comfortably. Yeah. Whereas Star Wars, you have to... Okay, we are committing to watching Star Wars. Yeah. No, I don't... Story. Yeah. It's tough. Okay. Prisoner of Azkaban is just stunning. It is. And it's a great point in the story... And I also of think the it's one thing. of those self-contained books as well. Yeah. Like, yes, obviously it has bigger ramifications, mm-hmm. but it's one of the better... Like, the earlier books are all a bit more self-contained because we've not really got Voldemort back yet, which, of course, happens in number Yeah, four. it's all kind of um, ramping up. But this is also, like, naturally, because it's their third year, it's the biggest story before it all link interconnects, which yeah. I think gives it a much richer feel because you're like, you can just read Prisoner of Azkaban and know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I would and say there's still like a big story. The story is at that point, like you say, it's not quite got so interlinked that you can enjoy the story of just Prisoner of Azkaban quite comfortably. Godfather escapes prison. He's a serial killer. Oh, wait, maybe he's not. Oh, my new teacher's a werewolf. Oh, my God, my best friend's <laughs> rats helped kill my parents. It has everything. Yeah. Whereas I feel like, yes, 
episode six is a culmination of that original trilogy. But the story on its own, it's it's great and it wraps it all up very well. But it, it does need the first two. Absolutely. You need that trilogy to really appreciate that whole story. Put it this way. I think the best way we could articulate this. You just give someone who's never watched Harry Potter and knows nothing about Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, they mm. will piece together pretty accurately the history of Ron, Hermione, and Harry. And yeah. like the relationships of other characters. Yeah. You give someone who's never seen or heard anything about Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. they're going to be a lot more confused. Yeah, they're going to have way more questions. on Return of the Jedi. No, it's just a... Return of the Jedi was written as part of a trilogy. Yeah. Whereas the Harry Potter books were written one at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, she would have had a general idea of where she's going, mm-hmm. but they weren't all, like, ready to go. Yeah. Like, like that. how your point it is, like, you're right. Harry Potter was individual books. Yes, there's an underlying theme and story throughout that is weaved in there and gets more complex as it goes on because a bigger picture is emerging. Whereas, yeah. let's be real, the Luke Sky- the Skywalker trilogy is like, the Luke Skywalker one. It was a singular story, then chopped into three parts. Exactly. So it's like, essentially, you took one Harry Potter book and split it into three. So, Like, it's... if you gave someone Deathly Hallows Part 2 to watch, they yeah. would be fucking lost. They'd be like, why, why I need you... the rest of this. Exactly. Like, even if you gave them Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 to watch back-to-back, they'd still be really lost. <laughs> because you're so deep in... After yeah. number four of Harry Potter, you need the, you need the pre-knowledge. Hmm. But one, two, and three of Harry Potter are, are very easy to watch by themselves because, yeah, you need a bit of pre-knowledge, but most of that gets re-explained. You'll kind of understand everything else as you go. Yeah. Um, acting. This is the one place I am dead set on my feelings. Okay. Star Wars, while I adore it, mm-hmm. it's very 80s sci-fi acting. It's got a sprinkle of that Shakespearean elegance that made 80s sci-fi so great. Yep. But it's a product of the times. George Lucas's script writing has never been his strongest suit, which I think does limit some of the actors' performances because they're stunning actors top to bottom. Yeah. I would not disagree with that. I would say Star Wars is... The acting is nothing spectacular. And like you say, George Lucas was, he was a very creative person and very good at world building and building this universe of Star Wars and being able to articulate that to like ILM and visually sell this world that he's building. As you say, though, his script writing was weaker, which then meant the acting was a bit weaker in places. Whereas Harry Potter... Some of the best. They just cooked. They they just cooked. They they the children stunning. And the best bit was in Prisoner of Azkaban. They were all starting to get a little bit older now. Yes. So they 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 become a bit more professional. They had two films under their belt. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to interact with directors. They were getting to the point where they were learning from the older, more experienced actors like Alan Rickman. And people like that. The the essentially supporting cast of the three kids was like the best tutors they could have ever had 
Like it was when a stacked at, cast. When you look at what um, Daniel Radcliffe has done as an adult and how good an actor he is, you can see the effects of Maggie yeah. Smith and Alan Rickman, who he was spending his entire yeah. childhood learning from. Yeah. It's um, wild. It's it's so impressive. And it's one of them things that I thought as I got older and started to be a bit more critical of films that I watched, I thought I would start to see the cracks in the acting. It mm. holds up really, really well. Yeah, like, yeah, it obviously a... it's a bit cheesy because it was a book that was initially meant for kids. Well, yeah, but and, it holds up and essentially, insanely well. The films were also made for... The first few were made for kids as well because it's like they want that generation to go with the films. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there was a bit of cheesiness there, but it's stacked cast and the script's great. But as much as acting is very one-sided, mm. cinematography is also one-sided, just on the other side. Yeah. Harry Potter is very, very good, and I adore it. Its visuals were never a selling point. Towards the back end, when there was more action, they worked very mm -hmm. hard on getting the quality of the magic yeah. looking brilliant. But I, there's like maybe one shot of film, if you're lucky, where you're like, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, Star I will say Wars, Harry Potter did an excellent job of working with practical and selling this magical world through practical as well and being very clever in the ways that they did stuff. I think you're right, though, it has like a certain look and feel to it. It only did so much. At the end of the day, it was some kids in a school. Like, there's, there's only like visual creativity there like there's only so much you can do star wars yeah made its money on being pretty it made its money on blowing your mind it literally changed filmmaking yeah and i like ilm just the creativity that came out of ilm and the things they were able to create brand new and problem solve and make these and build this beautiful stunning world and sell it on film and it's like stuff that had in. never been done harry potter could only be as practical and as and amazing as and i've seen the tour i've seen all their props they worked yep. so hard it was amazing they only did it that way because that's how star wars did it and blew everyone's mind 100 percent. like i don't think people fully understand how much star wars changed filmmaking at all levels yeah like fundamentally uh, yeah, ILM changed like the the stuff that they the problem solving they did to produce those films, and what was done for Star Wars set like this new bar and ability of like what can be done for films, and what is then available for films to use resource wise. So like you say, Harry Potter's idea of going that practical and using props and being that creative with props came from the likes of the problem solving that came out of making Star Wars. Exactly. Um, again, before we get into the scoring here, we love, we love both them. these films deeply. If you haven't picked up on that, then um, something's um, wrong with you. But it's time to start scoring stuff. Yeah, only one of these can win. It is. Um, would you say it's fair, because of our deeply emotional attachment to both here, for personal relevance to be a draw? Or do you yes. still lean lighter one way? I I would put personally I would probably lean more towards Star Wars but I know but I'm also happy with that being a draw because I know 
it's very strong for both of us. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll stick that as a draw then. How well it's aged is absolutely outrageous because both of these would win basically against anything else. But when you look at just the amount of survival time, Return of the Jedi is second to none. Yeah. Survival time and growth in that like IP. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how well it's aged has got to go to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I would agree Rewatchability. See, based on what we normally say, we would say Return of the Jedi because there's less films. But as we also said, the early Harry Potter films are very easy to watch by themselves. I I would actually lean to Harry Potter here as being able think? to just jump in and rewatch. Okay. So that would make it one all. Mm hmm. Story. <laughs> it's so hard. I think we also we need to try and take it for each individual film. And as as hard as it is to not think of the story of the trilogy and the whole Harry Potter story, if you think of the story told in Prisoner of Azkaban versus I think it's a more self contained story in Harry Potter. But I don't know if okay. that makes it better. Where do you stand? I really don't know. I do think... Okay, so here's the problem. My brain's doing the mental maths and I'm seeing where this is going and I'm disagreeing with it. <laughs> oh. You're trying to rig it. So, no, no, it's not that I'm trying to rig it, but I'm very well aware it's one all right now. And it's going to be one all after the next two. So this is actually the decider. <laughs> That's I proper. think let's go and do acting and cinematography first and come mm, back. Yeah. So acting unequivocally goes to Harry Potter. Yeah. The, the, the there's just it's not close. Yeah. Um, and then cinematography unequivocally goes to Star Wars. Yeah. And what that does is it makes it too all mm -hmm. with the story as the tiebreaker. And the big question we have to ask ourselves is: Are we taking Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as a story versus Return of the Jedi as a story? Because if that's what we're doing, then Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban has to win. But I'm not sure, as much as I love both of these, I can sit here with a straight face and say that Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban beats Return of the Jedi. But yeah, but then now I think about it, it's like the story and the like the story beats told in Return of the Jedi are incredible. They are. <sighs> the... I think in like personally. I do lean towards Star Wars. And there's personal bias comes into that a little bit. But I do think that original it's so hard not so, to just Okay, so is it fair to say then that our personal biases are trying to make us make this a Star Wars win, therefore personal relevance shouldn't be a draw and should be a Star Wars win. I mean it yeah. If you're also wanting this to lean to Star yeah, Wars, then it should be. Honest, a... I came into this thinking, oh, Return of the Jedi is going to absolutely sweep Harry Potter here. I can't believe it's ended up being this close. This has caught me off guard. I was too relaxed. <laughs> See, I thought but... you were coming into this hoping for Harry Potter to sweep it. No, 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 no. Expecting no. a fight. I, I, I have a, I, I have, I have my love of stuff, but I also know what's better. To take us out of it a little bit, if this wasn't someone British. 
having this discussion, Harry Potter wouldn't be anywhere near as close as it is right now. What, in personal relevance? Yeah, and like, if you think about it that way, and like, the general scheme of things, there is, yes, I know it's our personal relevance, but like, when you pitch it that way, it's like, okay, Star Wars is leaning. Okay, so we'll change personal relevance to Star Wars, which makes okay. it 3 2 Star Wars. Okay. And then story. Draw. What we call a draw. <laughs> Just to and get out of this, it, this and, pickle. And that, and that makes it 3 2 Return of the Jedi. That, I, I don't know why we're trying to feel bad about like rigging it here. It's supposed to be based on our opinions. Well, here's and the thing. We we're struggling on story because they're both great. So at that point, it's a draw. And realistically, this then comes down to what is our personal choice on which is yeah. better, which is personal relevance. I think it's a testament to Harry Potter that actually got that close to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. There's probably some people very mad at us and like, how could you even compare that to Star Wars? But Yeah. I'll, I'm sure there's some... to last week's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some British people that are like, Harry Potter is the greatest thing alive, so... Yeah, and this is the thing. We're one of the few people who are fans of, like, every nerd fandom. Mm. Most people are, like, Star Wars, all superheroes, But it, all it goes Potter. back to what I jokingly said at the beginning. One is magic with swords. One is magic with sticks. Th- thematically... We Harry just like Potter magic. And, <laughs> yeah. Thematically, Harry Potter and Star Wars are incredibly similar. It is a young kid going up... One set in space, one set. Who killed his mother. Yeah. And put him on this path. The only difference is one isn't his dad and one is his dad. That's literally the only difference. Yeah, it's it's like, wild yeah, how similar. It's cool. Um, but that gives us our first finalist. Yes. Return of the Jedi. Deserved. Our semi-final next week is the one I expected to be difficult. And after how difficult this one was, I'm scared. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings versus Captain America Winter Soldier. Okay, this is hard for you. Yeah. This is easy for me. I would like to just remind you, I thought this week was going to be easy. And I got I got bamboozled into it melting my brain. I'm old and set my ways. (laughs) You are old. (laughs) Word (laughs) to Jesus. Hori was the twelfth disciple. Um, so that is it from us this week make sure you've liked make sure you've subscribed rung that bell so that you can find your way back here nice yep. and easy and we'll catch you next week for episode 99 yes episode 99 crazy See you next um, week.